Hello and welcome to the second episode of my podcast, which this time is all about the celebrated inventions of Alexander Ross, perfumer. So one thing that's always fascinated me throughout all of my research on medical practitioners, barbers and retailers uh, in the long 18th century is the extent of what historians call occupational diversity. Rather than having one occupation, people might actually have several, and often at the same time. And this was particularly common amongst certain types of shop owner, who routinely diversified into other trades. Sometimes those trades could be related, but often they actually seem to bear no relation at all to each other. So, you might find um, an apothecary doubling up as a mercer, or a cloth trader, or a barber surgeon who also sells candles. And it's also possible to find wonderful hybrids, like Mr. Dade of Norwich, who in the late 18th century was a perfumer, a tobacconist, a haberdasher, and an umbrella maker. So Mr. Dade's example actually raises one group that I've become particularly interested in recently, which is perfumers. It's easy to think about perfumers as people who, in quotes, just sold perfumes. But actually, they often diversified. Loads of perfumers were also hairdressers. Some were chemists or druggists. But a lot of them also specialised in what were then called toys. Rather than the modern sense of children's playthings, the 18th century meaning of toy referred to small items, trinkets, daily objects for the body and personal grooming. Others such as William Bailey, Richard Warren, Charles Emmon and William Yardley also established their own businesses and frequently advertised their products. And in the 18th century, some perfumers became particularly prominent with connections to royalty or to the literati and glitterati of the day. And as William Tullett's recent book has shown, Charles Lilly of London was famed for his snuff as well as his many other perfumed products. But he was also celebrated in publications like The Spectator. And if all this wasn't enough, he even sold chin and cheek improvers to force jowly jaws back into a socially pleasing form. One of what Ross himself termed his celebrated inventions was the nose machine, apparently a device for straightening the nose. This was available for ten shillings and sixpence and promised to improve the features. The advertisement included supposed letters from satisfied customers. I obtained the nose machine and am very much pleased with it, wrote one. Thanks to your machine, said another, my nose has achieved a tolerably symmetrical shape. It wasn't just the nose that Ross's products offered to reshape. His ear machine, for example, was said to have the characteristic that it gives the exact amount of pressure required to make the ears properly positioned. Fingers could also be beautified and pressed into good form by Ross's finger shapers. Feet could likewise be improved in form, the toes straightened and the ankles strengthened by appliances worn during the night or any leisure time. Now, in fact, bad posture and form were also bodily defects that various of Ross's products tried to remedy. One was what he called a simple contrivance for improving the figure and drawing back the shoulders. And that was a mere snip at seven shillings and sixpence. A slightly more mysterious process was offered for what Ross termed over-stoutness. 
Here, he promised that excess weight could be dispersed by carrying out regulations as given by Mr. Ross and weighing from certain time to time. Hip bands were another of his products, which promised to transform hips that were what he called squatty and inelegant into good shape. The skin was also certainly not forgotten, as you might expect, for a perfumer, with various of Alexander Ross's skin tonics, bloom of roses and pimple removers. In fact, pimple removers using his vegetable skin pill to give what he called a transcendent complexion. Directions for getting rid of red noses, bruises and scars, and actually even removing tattoos, were all available from Mr Ross's emporium in Lamb's Conduit Street in London. Various other products offered to colour or beautify the hair, to remove it or make it grow on bald places. These included his golden hair wash, Spanish fly ointment and cantharides oil. But for the truly brave, customers could purchase his magnetoelectric machine for 21 shillings, the regular use of which he claimed would stop hair falling out and promote its growth. How many hopeful customers, though, ended up with their hair standing rigidly to attention on their heads by accidentally overwinding the machine? There are many more products in his list, but I've left my favourite until last. Those feeling a bit down in the dumps were pointed towards Ross's own tonic medicine. For a mere five shillings and sixpence, or 70 stamp, customers were promised hilarity of spirits and a permanent animated tone for the features. After a year of lockdown, couldn't we all do with a bottle of this? So I think that perfumers are a fascinating occupational group, and there's so much more to be said about them. I also think that the extent to which retailers diversified in the past is interesting, and it reminds us that job titles by themselves can't always tell us everything about what people actually did. And if all this wasn't enough, he even sold chin and cheek improvers to force jowly jaws back into a socially pleasing form. One of what Ross himself termed his celebrated inventions was the nose machine, apparently a device for straightening the nose. This was available for 10 shillings and sixpence and promised to improve the features. The advertisement included supposed letters from satisfied customers. I obtained the nose machine and am very much pleased with it, wrote one. Thanks to your machine, said another, my nose has achieved a tolerably symmetrical shape. It wasn't just the nose that Ross's products offered to reshape. His ear machine, for example, was said to have the characteristic that it gives the exact amount of pressure required to make the ears properly positioned. Fingers could also be beautified and pressed into good form by Ross's finger shapers. Feet could likewise be improved in form, the toes straightened and the ankles strengthened by appliances worn during the night or any leisure time. Now, in fact, Bad posture and form were also bodily defects that various of Ross's products tried to remedy. One was what he called a simple contrivance for improving the figure and drawing back the shoulders. And that was a mere snip at seven shillings and sixpence. A slightly more mysterious process was offered for what Ross termed overstoutness. Here, he promised that excess weight could be dispersed by carrying out regulations as given by Mr. Ross and weighing from certain time to time. Hip bands were another of his products, which promised to transform hips that were what he called squatty and inelegant into good shape. 
The skin was also certainly not forgotten, as you might expect, for a perfumer, with various of Alexander Ross's skin tonics, bloom of roses, and pimple removers. In fact, pimple removers using his vegetable skin pill to give what he called a transcendent complexion. Directions for getting rid of red noses, bruises and scars, and actually even removing tattoos, were all available from Mr Ross's emporium in Lamb's Conduit Street in London. Various other products offered to colour or beautify the hair, to remove it or make it grow on bald places. These included his golden hair wash, Spanish fly ointment and cantharides oil. But for the truly brave, customers could purchase his magnetoelectric machine for 21 shillings, the regular use of which he claimed would stop hair falling out and promote its growth. How many hopeful customers, though, ended up with their hair standing rigidly to attention on their heads by accidentally overwinding the machine? There are many more products in his list, but I've left my favourite until last. Those feeling a bit down in the dumps were pointed towards Ross's own tonic medicine. For a mere five shillings and sixpence, or 70 stamp, customers were promised hilarity of spirits and a permanent animated tone for the features. After a year of lockdown, couldn't we all do with a bottle of this? So I think that perfumers are a fascinating occupational group, and there's so much more to be said about them. I also think that the extent to which retailers diversified in the past is interesting, and it reminds us that job titles by themselves can't always tell us everything about what people actually did. Mm -hmm.